All right, guys. Yeah. Welcome back. Market Mondays. That's what in town. Hey. <laughs> Been a long time. <laughs> Shouldn't have left you. Yeah, without a dope beat to step to. <laughs> so, so we got the band back together. All of the guys in the lab. This is going to be a legendary episode. Legendary week. We got a few things planned this week that we cannot announce, but you will be seeing very soon. We've been debating on it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's sign that paperwork. It's, it's, it's so break the internet. Um, so, but just know history is about to be made again. Yes, you know, scrambling around at the last minute, but yeah, it's all done. Uh, for quarters for the scramblers, right? Uh, apparently, we know that. Yeah, clearly. So, um, we have a very special guest today. David Rubenstein, uh, billionaire venture private equity private, firm, yep, uh, yeah. owner of the Carlisle Group uh, private equity firm. He also is an author. He has a new book that's out, and uh, he has a show as well on Bloomberg. So, and he actually interviewed somebody that was very interesting recently. So, uh, <laughs> say the least. Yeah. So, this is going to be a very high level conversation, um, very interesting conversation, very, you know, Whenever we get a chance to talk to the billionaires, there's always something that's beneficial for the yeah. listeners. Um, so, you know, this is, I think, our third one, I think. Yeah, I think we got Novogratz. Yeah, Cuba, yeah. So this is the third one. Yeah, yeah. Third time's a charm. 400 billion in assets managed. 400. That's insane. Different. Yeah, so um, so that's a dope conversation. But even before that, we got a lot to talk about because obviously it's a lot going on. It's been a lot going on since the last time that, that we uh, had Market Monday. So I won't waste too much time um a couple brief announcements uh this week big episode shout out to our guy jamal bowman who is our hey. congratulations he's our congressman from our congress district um oh he won he won yeah. congrats oh that's dope, that's dope. it's like a landslide he won like 60 to 30 um so he's dope conversation about politics about super pat a lot of stuff i was talking about last week the political process how it works the inner workings of congress house representatives and Who's really controlling it? What in the government? Very educational episode. Very smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. Good dude. Yeah. Um, so that's tomorrow at eight o'clock. Check that out. And the moment is here. Market Mondays. Hey. Market Mondays live, ladies and gentlemen. We are two weeks away. Yeah. Two weeks away. November twenty seventh. Yes. Just understand what's going on here. November twenty seventh at Madison Square Garden. We God have. <laughs> we have good. Peter Tuckman. We have Mouse Jones. We have Don Peeble, DJ Sus one on the one and twos. My guy hey. made a kiss. Hey. This is the spot of his legendary performance versus um Dipset, the versus battle. Yes. When he was crowned king of New York. Yeah. His, um, his jersey went up in the Raptors that night. Yes, yes. That spot me for the first invest fest. I would have watched the thing nine times. I had to get my presentation ready. So so Kiss will be in the building. Outside of that, um, a long list of things that Ian will be providing to anybody yes. that comes. Um 25 stocks to invest in, the 50 ones to stay away from, the three cryptos I like, the one underdog crypto that I like. The 15 others you stay away from outside of FTT and FTX. <laughs> um, and the blueprint for how to make 10 grand to 20 grand in a day trading. So get your tickets and as champ, sign your paperwork. Uh, got a little surprise, hopefully. But a couple surprises. I mean, it's New York, it's our hometown. Yes. You know, why would we not bring out all the stops? And so yeah. that's what we're gonna do. In the in the words of my brother Mouse Jones, 
a night will be had. Hey, shout out to Mouth. A oh, night will be That trap yeah. karaoke is gonna be a vibe, a man. A night will be had. Um, uh, uh, we got a bunch of surprises and um, a few surprises that we're working on. And let's just say that you know it'll probably sell out as soon as the surprises are <laughs> yes. announced. So you still have tickets available to you. Seventy five dollars as low as seventy five dollars. Don't play yourself. Black Which is Friday, crazy. New York City. It's a vibe. Yes, Madison Square Garden. You're going to get so much education and you're going to get the bonus just for coming, but you have to be in the building to get Gotta all those there. bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get a sniper for a year. We should do three months of stock club too. Three months of stock club? Yeah. How you feeling today? <laughs> that's that's a recession. Announcement. Announcement. <laughs> three months of stock three club. Three months of stock club. Everybody man. that comes will get three months of stock club. The anti Sam Bank Friedman deal. Oh, man. What else do you want, ladies and gentlemen? Yes. Go to the link in the description of this video. Go to earnyourleisure.com, click the Market Mondays tab, um, get your tickets before they sell out. We will see you on November 27th yes. at 7 o'clock at Madison Square Garden. Should we tell them what to tune in tomorrow or no? Uh, let's wait. Up in there? Yeah, 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 you never know. You know some, some, Shout out to the people. Yes. <laughs> some things are like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's it. Um, any any announcements? Uh, uh, Stock Club call will be tomorrow at 930. Get your tickets for Market Mondays live because next year prices will be going up dramatically. It's not the same. Nope. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. And if I've never had a token drop 93%, please put yes in chat. <laughs> 94 94. What is a crystal ball worth? <laughs> if I went to the Bahamas with $3 billion, like would Interpol be looking for me? That's tough. That's tough. See? That's tough. Folks, we want to let you know about the great choice if you're looking to bank or invest. Ally is a leading digital financial service company with passionate customer service, innovative financial solutions, and our relentlessly focus on doing yes. it right for both customers and our communities. Get with Ally so you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter most to you. For everything we need, we're all better off with an ally. Shout out to Ally. Shout out to the okay. flyer that went out, the uh, Art Basel. Yes. Out. Yeah, December 3rd, we will be in Miami for that. Shout we'll out to about that later on. Yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to UM. Um, and you know how this works, man. Do your own research. This is a disclaimer. All right. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show. And wish to rely upon whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise. This is a message brought to you by the good brothers at Earn Your Leisure and yes. the good brother Ian Dunlap, the master investor himself. Please do your own research. Please, when it's great, you can share the research with others. And that's how we build community. Share the information when it's great. When it's not, go back and research and ask the why it's not. Hey, let's start. So let's get into this right off the rip before we bring our guest on. Let's talk about what everybody wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. FTX. Wow. The debacle that happened. Um I'm just pulling out my notes on this. So yeah. um, Sam Bankfried was uh, labeled the golden child of crypto. Mm-hmm. Uh, young man who was the CEO or is the CEO of that exchange is a crypto exchange. He stepped down, didn't he? Oh, he's no longer the CEO? I mean, I think if you get on the plane and go to Argentina, you kind of quit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. in any event. Yeah. Um, Former CEO. Yeah. Uh, of a crypto exchange called FTX. I think yes. they had the Miami Arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You formerly American Airlines, now FTX, but uh, they stripped it. The deal was like ten years for one hundred forty-five million or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's gone. Yeah, it's gone. So this is all right. So this this is an interesting story. Just like a quick overview of what happened. Um, so massive amounts of withdrawal requests came in after 
um, a report was published mm. that uh, FTX owned a suspicious amount of FTT. FTT is FTX is native currency. It's like Binance coin would be for Binance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess um, a report was published and um, it, it was it was a suspicious amount of coins that were being held by FTX. As a result of that, Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency uh, brokerage, yeah. announced that they would be selling their FTT token. Shout out CZ. Due to recent revelations, that caused a firestorm on sales of FTT tokens from the market because people were scared. They thought that it might fall apart and they didn't have enough liquidity to cover yeah. all of the people, all of the amount of money that was going to be taken out, Run on which the bank. caused the coin to collapse mm -hmm. in a day, which Bye. caused the exchange to collapse in a day, <laughs> which caused Mr. <laughs> Freeman to lose a 16 million, I believe. Billion. 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 16 With a billion. B. 16 yeah. billion. With a billion. In a yeah. day. Yeah. And then Binance, it was reported that they was gonna come bail them out. Then they decided that they wasn't gonna bail them out. Um, so this has caused a black cloud over the crypto space. Mm -hmm. All cryptos were down. Um, and there was even something today I, I that I had read about crypto.com mistakenly sending four hundred million dollars in crypto mm -hmm. to a wrong exchange by accident. And, you know, it's just a lot of bad press, fear, uh, speculation that, you know, a lot of these places aren't solvent, that they, they're not, their books aren't clean and yeah. they don't have enough assets and it's caused a real, a real, you know, fire ripple effect in the crypt in the crypto space. So, yeah. All right. That was my quick synopsis. So let's, let's get into this. What's the thoughts on this situation? Um, initially when I heard this, I, w I intended to come in and go crazy, loaded Lux, but now isn't the time for me to focus on me or be egotistical. And the first thing I want to start off with something we talked about, and it's a lesson that stuck with me that you shared about a particular person who had a comment for someone and they came for him. Mm -hmm. Sam ended up getting into it with CZ of Binance, and he was the one who exposed they essentially had been running a Ponzi. Now, the interesting thing... Who, who was running a Ponzi? FTX. FTX. Okay. So when... The interesting thing, they put out a letter of intent to buy the company. They released part of the financials and 24 hours later say, hey, we don't want anything to do with the company as a way to expose... That's the part. That they, so a letter of intent... That part. When you send a letter of intent with no money, <laughs> no guarantees, or when you're going to wire money, you're exposing all of your financials. That is a huge mistake. All right. Oh, man. Go ahead. No, go ahead. There's go so ahead. much to unpack, right? Just in yeah, that. Just right? in that alone. Just in that, right? I, I think one of the biggest things is like, know who your rivals are. Yes. Understand. And who be careful who you offend. Be careful who you offend. Yes. Understand who your rivals are. Understand who your competition is in the space. The fact that Binance was even thinking about doing it, it, it felt on the surface, like, wait, this doesn't seem right. Yeah. Right. And as soon as that happened, I put it in the, the chat. I said, yo, they're going to back out this deal. Yes. But what they did was they made them show their hand. And when you show your hand, right? Like, because mm -hmm. that's one of the things in, in the crypto space is like, they don't have to show their books at all. Who, who is the, who is the, the, the governing body that says, 
yes, you need to show the books. There isn't one. No, nope. right? especially if you live in the Bahamas. <laughs> especially, right? Yeah. So when you have to open up the books and the competitors now see it and they say, oh, wait, we're not doing this. And they pull the rug out. Now it feels like, wait, this was done super intentionally. Even in his tweets, if you look, if you look yeah. at Sam's tweets, yeah, he kind of, I think he kind of felt it after. Mm -hmm. he felt like, wait, I just got played. Yeah. And it, it was sad to see. Like, it sounds crazy, but like somebody is worth $15 billion on a Friday. Just think about that. And by Tuesday, they're down to 400,000 in net worth. No, no, 400, 400 million. 800 million. 800 million. No, 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 hold on, hold on. And then when they saw the books, they realized that the debt was 650 million. Mm -hmm. So they actually had, he had negative net worth after, after the week was over. The no, company. No, no, no. The company. Not he, the company. He's personally worth $800 million right now. Presently. Okay. Currently. So let's just, he's, let's keep it on perspective. I'm, I'm honest. Or, or maybe he's not. Well, report, we can only go by what the reports are saying. Yeah. New York Times reported that he lost 94% of his wealth, which yeah. still put him at $800 million. So for how long though? Hypothetically. And, and uh, now, now the other side of it, the strategy that he was running to do the Bitcoin arbitrage and buy it in a country and then move it here mm -hmm. was really smart. Um, he was setting up himself to be the Warren Buffett of crypto and he was trying to build companies out. But when you see some of the other things like, I mean, okay, I have to say anything that is too good to be true usually is. No one can guarantee any kind of return legally. So to say, hey, I'm gonna get you 8% return a year or a month in itself is not legal. Secondly, when you have a company that is based in the Bahamas with no or little regulation, that is normally not a good sign. Mm -hmm. Number three, any person, product, entity, corporation, token, or coin that is advertised to be the savior of anything usually is a demon in disguise. And we've come across a couple, right? So even with me, like I can't guarantee, knowing with all the information that I know, I'll never guarantee a return because I don't want to put myself in a legal bind there. And also going back to the trading part. So when you have a hedge fund, and you're market making, and you're watching your trades with leverage, you can manipulate the price of what that token is going to be, mm -hmm. which is a huge mistake for him to even do because everyone in the space knows that that is illegal. But the bigger issue that we have to get to is the angel investors and venture capital companies that pushed for crypto and Web3 to be this enormous space because they needed another win. Mm -hmm. Um and it's a very nuanced conversation that we can probably spend two or three weeks talking about, but the venture community has to start doing this on due diligence. So to see Sequoia put a bunch of money in and a bunch of other firms, I know at some point they had to say, well, this person's in this deal. I'm going to pile in because they are as well. And not to even mention if they invested in the company, got equity there and got tokens, you got paid twice. Yeah. So we have to be very careful. And I know everybody in crypto, I know you thought this Monday I was going to come out and be like, Earners, what's going on? Look, everyone likes shopping online, but searching for coupon codes is kind of a bummer. So make saving online a breeze with Capital One Shopping. Capital One Shopping is a free tool that instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Just download Capital One Shopping to your computer and let it do the work for you. So easy. And you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. Capital One Shopping, it's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary. I told you so. It's not the time for that. But anything that is too good to be true usually is. Um, the bigger issue that we have to really face 
is what are we going to do about the American economy? Because the desire for these high gains with no work is usually representative of the job market is not good. Mm. Amazon is laying off 10,000 people after Meta just laid off 11,000. That's a lot. Things are getting scary. What does it say for crypto though, right? Because I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things we can say. Obviously, we'll see the effect that it's had on Bitcoin. Obviously, one under about 16,000. But mm -hmm. does, is this now the moment? It feels like it could be. Maybe it's not. That, all right, enough is enough. Regulations is on the way. Has to. I mean, honestly, if we think about it, and I won't even get into the political part of how much he donated to uh, the Democratic side. So, and I would argue if he was a Republican, they would be running news 24 hours about how this was a Ponzi for the Republican Party. I'm neither Democratic nor Republican. But I just think it's interesting that when there were all these red flags there, no one said anything because he was a, a Democratic favorite. Um, what does it say for crypto? Regulation is going to come. And I truly believe a lot of these people will put in place buy banks and hedge funds to help destroy crypto so they they, they can then take it up. Like, we have to be honest. This is a game of strategy and a game of war. This is not no different than the penny stock era. This is no different than the Forex market. This is no different than the crypto market of 2016. We saw this happen before. Yeah. Um, well, several companies that went out of business and then more regulation came in and the banks got more involved. We'll see the same thing again. Yeah, even from the side of, like I said, knowing who your rivals are, if you think about finance, yep. right? Asking to see the papers and obviously backing out on the deal once they saw that, you know, the company wasn't making money. You get run to one exchange, mm -hmm. right? FTX is now gone. And just think about how widely popular they were, just really quick to give you context. They have four Super Bowl commercials. Which is also a sign that, like, honestly, any product is really good. You don't have to advertise like, like crazy. They they they, they dominated. dominated the Super Bowl. Yep. They had Tom Brady, had Steph Curry. They had all, I mean, just the publicity around it was big. So you, you take that one out. And now you hear Crypto.com mm -hmm. is in trouble. And so what does that do? Crypto.com is not in trouble. Well, the, the, the negative news, negative yeah, news. Yeah, no, I shouldn't say trouble. Yeah, we'll, negative. we'll say negative. I mean, but, but, but can we be honest? If we went to any of our moms or aunties and said, hey, this is what this token does. 99% of the time, our aunties or moms or dads are going to be like, that sounds like a scam. Right away. So all even all the decentralization talk. Okay, great. If crypto was supposed to be decentralized, why do you have a hedge fund that was marketing one thing, but the firm was doing another while bailing out? And then also what he really got into trouble was using the customer funds. And it goes back to trading. Those 300 practice trades are key. Mm -hmm. Risk mitigation is key. And we've all done it. We've all been in the trade and been like, I should only let this trade bleed down 20%. And it goes 35%. And it's like, oh, let me put more capital in. And I think that he thought he was never going to get caught. He was going to be able to bail out some other companies. And he was going to be able to work his way out of it. Um, this is a historical lesson on risk management. And same with Madoff. When you get away with it the first time, mm -hmm. if you ever seen Madoff's story, Madoff, I think his initial lie was less than $1,000 to a client. But the first time he got away with it, he never stopped. Mm -hmm. So, as you would say, I say that to say, yeah, risk management is everything. And we've all overtraded. We've all overcapitalized certain trades. Um, I hate that this happened. I, I hate, you know, yeah. th this has been exposed. But I've been telling everyone, if anything is too good to be true, it usually is. And if you want gains in the market, you have to work your ass off to be able to get them. They're not going to come easy yeah. from anybody. So that's, that's the kind of the point I was getting to was like, 
are you obviously as a competitor if i'm binance this strengthens my position yes right like if ftx I, i'm just the negative news around crypto.com it becomes obvious who the mm -hmm. i mean they're the largest exchange now yeah it just strengthens their strengthens their position yeah not only as an exchange but even the, the coin itself i'd be interested to see and then he's that. now he's saying okay now i'm gonna help bail out other right funds if they get in trouble so now he gets to be a savior and we have to also keep our eye out for tether tether's on the ropes and where's tether based out of stable coin not quote really stable quote if if our dollar isn't stable how is something pegged to it stable yeah two tech two index in Australia. i know people hate hearing the same thing over and over again please put it in chat safety over sensationalism even a whole DeFi, you're not going to get 19 percent return a month like i don't hear charlemagne or steve harvey or like Ellen being like, I found the crypto that's going to get because they would 50 will put all of its money from stars and power into that thing if it actually worked. Like, we have to be careful when we when we're being marketed to. We're always used for liquidity. Be careful. Interesting time in crypto. So, all right. So what does this mean for the average person? Should they not invest in crypto? Should they? What should wait? What about exchange? I mean, we talked about before. You shouldn't really have your money on exchange if you. Yep. Or should have your coins on an exchange. Like yeah. Okay. Um. So what does this mean for the average person that is a crypto novice and just hearing about this? Uh, you need to invest in the top two, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I still don't love Ethereum, but if I had to pick two, those would be the two. I do need to issue apology to to Coinbase though. Um. I think I still think that Coinbase is going to have some troubles, but when we're in Miami. I said they could probably go out of business. And the way that Brian has run that organization is nowhere near close to what Sam did. So I have to say that I was wrong in casting that aspersion on him. I still think that they're in trouble, but not in the same light. I, I want to be clear, like Coinbase is not anything close to FTX. Um, but Bitcoin, Ethereum are the top two. Um, but now this is going to lead to a lot more regulation and the CFTC is going to get involved. NFA is going to get involved. SEC is going to get involved. They're going to start calling a lot of these securities and it's going to lead to a lot of trouble. A lot of these coins are going to get flagged and 99% of them are going to be marked as worthless. Yeah. It'll be flagged. Open your books and show us the books. And once those books get open, game set match. So what about, um, okay. Anything else you want to say about this? No, I think what uh, obviously our stance has always been the same, right? Like we don't believe that the space is going to be going. We obviously know the top two coins. Mm -hmm. Risk management is key here. Was buy what this is set up from Binance because it looks like okay, so a report comes out, um, and was published. Who knows where that report was given to the? Oh, we know where it came from. Then Binance publicly announced that they're selling their coins. Mm -hmm. Which that was the whole thing that caused everything. It was a, it was a domino effect. So once that many withdrawals too fast, yeah. I, but Binance was the reason they caused the run on the bank. And so, do you think that this all ties in somehow? I don't want to, you know. Say I, I, I'll, I'll say it. Listen, is be very key in who you choose to go to war with, because they may end up being the assassin that puts you out of business. Like Chamal said it th this weekend, um, he said when. Sam was trying to get them to invest in his business. They sent a two pager of recommendations of what to fix. They called him back and literally said, fuck off. Who said fuck off? Sam. Told, 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 told Chamal Polyapatia. 
who's like one of the best. I never get his last name correct. (laughs) Yeah, I do my little research. (laughs) So to say that, and so imagine what's said privately. So if, and Sam has some words for CZ at Binance. So if someone comes up to you and say, man, Rashad, F you and EYL. And then you say, okay, I'm gonna buy your company. Send me your your paperwork, update your paperwork, fam. They send it in and they're net negative Mm. while saying they're the real biggest. It may come out to Charlemagne that, hey, they're 15 million in the hole. We have to understand that business is war. I know people may play polite on social media, but business is war. Like we all have known people that have risked their lives and been willing to do certain things for five, 10, 15,000, 50,000. We're talking about billions of dollars here. So yes, the report was put out, but what they really did was expose the fraud that was there all along. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, what I said. I, I mean, that's why I preface it by saying, understand who your rivals are, understand yeah. who your competition is. Yeah. And I think he understood it, but it was too late. Right. Like in his tweet, he didn't directly say it. And yeah. I'm sure I was saying it. Yeah. He didn't directly say it, but it kind of affirmated it. Why would you send your financials on a letter of intent? Yeah. And also, they had no board of directors, which is also a red flag. Like people were buying equity into the company and were getting no board seats. People only do that when they don't want you to see the books. Like it was a bunch of red flags. Like once you start to look into the paper and these stories that happen all, and we have to curtail our human desire to want high returns with no work. Because mm. if we stop getting sold these pipe dreams, there won't be as much room for them. Do your research, do your own due diligence. Um, Will Sam have a return? Hell no. It's done? Over Wolf of Wall Street, crypto. 30 years old. Over with. <laughs> Y'all can clip my clip this up <laughs> immediately. Clip right now. It's over with. But and also in every scam, you need a fall person. They knew what Bernard was doing in his era. Some people were aware of what Sam was doing. You got to be very careful here. They need a fall guy. Yeah. And he'll be that. Well, we will monitor the situation. It's over with for Sam. We will monitor the situation. It's over. Unmute yourself and turn his camera on. Our Basel, we are back again. Yes. Shout out to Ally and shout out to our partners at United Masters. Yes. December 3rd, a night to remember. Speaking of surprises, we're working on a bunch of stuff for that. Mm-hmm. That is in Miami. One night, one night only. And it's free. Um, So anybody can attend. Go to our website and click the link for the Art Basel. But you know how that goes. That's going. Last year was a vibe, too. So, yes. Last year was a vibe. We interviewed Khaled. You were there last year. Yeah. Uh, Shine. Shine. Yeah. Just Blaze, crazy performance on the Ridiculous. one and two. Ran, so, ran to Maverick Carter. Shout out to Eastside Golf. They pulled yeah. up us. We went to Rick Ross's. It was a whole thing. Keys was in the building. It, yeah. it was a whole, it was a whole, uh, whole oh, series of, of. I can't wait to go back. Event. I, you know, I haven't been to Miami all year, so I, I'm actually looking forward to that. Trip. There, August. Well, it was y'all was in and out. Quick, quick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like I got two flights. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Troy's like, do not take. I'm, I'm not, no, leaving. not leaving. I'm not leaving. Don't let that boat cross the, 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 the legendary boat ride. I yeah. forgot. Oh, he was there for like five hours. That yeah. wasn't a boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, there like five. we landed and we left at like six o'clock in the morning. That's crazy. That was crazy. But um, but yeah, go to the website, go to the Art Basel tab and sign up. Um, and like I said, that's gonna go quick. So, you know how that goes. Uh, first come, first serve. How many seats? I think it's like 400. Maybe. Yeah. It's Maybe. Like yeah. yeah it's like we have it at the same venue. Um, Freehold. Uh, gotcha. Freehold Miami. And Winhold. Winwood. Winwood. Yeah. Winwood. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's going to be dope. Yeah. Weather's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay. Um, all right. So here we are with the legendary David Rubenstein. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yes. If you're not familiar with David, he is the chair of the Board of Trustees of Duke University. He is the host of Bloomberg's Peer-to-Peer Conversations. Yes. And he is the co-founder and co-chairman of private equity firm, the Carlisle Group, uh, which is a global private equity investment firm. How much assets under management? $400 billion. If, if that number has changed, please correct me. But $400 billion <laughs> advantage of, uh, under uh, management right now, which is amazing. <laughs> yes. So thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And he's an author too. We'll talk about his book. Yes. yes. I'm looking forward to reading that book. Yes. Very important. So, all right. So let's get into it. Um, I want to start off with, you know, some education for the audience. Um, private equity. Can you explain what private equity is? I feel that people have a good understanding of venture capital because that's been in the news a lot and that's been very popular the, the last couple of years. Um, but I think that the general public still doesn't have a good understanding or they might not have ever even heard of private equity. So mm-hmm. Can you explain okay. private equity, what you let guys me, Let me explain. Uh, in the United States, the phrase private equity means one thing. Outside the United States, it means another thing. In the United States, private equity more or less means all private investments. It could be venture capital, growth capital, distressed debt, anything where you're buying an asset that is something that's going to be held privately. It's not going to be public when you own it. And the theory behind private equity is that when you have something that's not in a public setting, you can make changes, you can improve it, you can incent people, you can pay them more, and ultimately you'll get a better return. So the theory behind private equity is that you buy an asset, you make it much better. When you sell it or you take it public, you're going to get a rate of return on your investment that's going to be, let's say, 20% per annum. So if you put your money in the bank, you're going to get maybe 1% a year. If you put your money in the stock market, maybe you get on average 6% a year. If you put your money in uh, in private equity, and it's a good private equity uh, fund or or, or, or deal, you might get 20% or 30% a year. Well, that's pretty good. So the theory is it's a better way to make, uh, add value to an organization and you can, and you can, uh, you know, get a good rate of return. So that's what it is. Basically fixing up something in a private setting, making it better and ultimately selling it after three to five years that gets you a return of maybe 20% a year. Um, thank you for being here. I'm a huge fan of your show. Can you talk to us about um, the importance of being a contrarian in the face of conventional wisdom and are there any sectors? The holidays always find a way to bring family together, whether it's watching the game, baking cookies, holiday shopping, wrapping presents, or gathering around to listen to our favorite holiday music. It's all made more magical with an ice-cold Coke. Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together. The office holiday party, your first time having dinner with the in-laws, or that small reunion because everyone's back in town for the holidays. Nothing says welcome home like Coca-Cola. Enjoy the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with good friends and family, delicious food, and of course, an ice-cold Coke. Right now, you think people should take a contrarian take on in this environment. The, the greatest investors in the world uh, generally are contrarians. If you just went along with the average uh, common sense view of what the average person thinks, you would be one of the pack and you wouldn't do anything that make you stand out. So contrarians take a view that's different than the average common sense wisdom. Today, for example, the common sense wisdom that the average investor would have 
is get out of the stock market, sell whatever you have. The economy's going to hell in a handbasket, and we're going to be in a recession. The smart investors would say, now's the time to come in, buy things at a discount, and eventually, and the recessions always end, and eventually, in three or four years, you'll have bought something at 50 cents on a dollar, and in two or three years, it'll be worth $3, something like that. So that's what a contrarian goes against the conventional wisdom. Well, our audience is, is, you know, filled with retail investors. We have some institutional investors, I'm sure, but a lot of retail investors. And obviously, they're learning the, the market, they're understanding it, they're investing in it. What are some habits that you've come across in, in your career that you've noticed that great and good investors have, right? Mm -hmm. So they can have an edge. Well, people who are great investors, generally, this is their life. This is what they do full time. They don't kind of have a day job and then they're picking stocks at night and then they mm -hmm. kind of they do well. You have to do this full time. You have to be pretty smart, good with numbers. You have to have a, a, a willingness to read enormous amounts of material. You have to admit a mistake when you make it and get out of a bad deal because everybody makes a mistake. I think it also takes some humility to be a great investor because you realize you're going to make mistakes and you can't say I'm so brilliant and the market's wrong, but I'm right and the market's wrong and you start yeah. losing money. Um, and you know those are things that make great investors. Uh, the the average retail investor who buys stocks in the public market, you know, they're probably not great investors. They just they haven't done this for a living. You have to do something for a living. And you know if you were you were going to a dentist, you wouldn't want a dentist who is uh, is spending full time uh, uh, picking stocks. You want a dentist who's going to actually know how to be a dentist. So an average dentist or doctor isn't doing this full time. And therefore, they're probably not going to be that good at it. That's why for the average retail investor, the average person who's not a professional, they're probably best to go into index funds, which just mirror the market, very modest fees. And they, the stock market goes up 13% a year, you're going to go up 13% a year. Trying to pick stocks and become Warren Buffett while you have a day job as a, as a dentist or doctor is a fool's errand. So let me ask you this. Um, what are your thoughts on the handling of the economy um, by the Fed this year? Been my thoughts on what? I'm sorry, can you speak up? The Fed's handling of the economy. Okay, okay. I should disclose that I hired a young man to work for me years ago, and he was at our firm for a number of years, and he left. His name is Jay Powell. So now he's the chairman <laughs> of the Federal Reserve Board. But he doesn't give me any insights. The Federal Reserve made a terrible mistake. They underestimated how serious the inflation was going to be. The United States government injected $5 trillion into our economy uh, to deal with COVID. And you put $5 trillion into an economy that's roughly a $22 trillion economy, you're going to get inflation. So we got a lot of inflation. The Fed said for a while, it's transitory, which means it'll be gone soon. They were wrong. So now they're going to increase uh, interest rates a fair bit to get inflation down. Now, as you may have seen last week, inflation came down a little bit, still at 7.7%. The Fed wants to get inflation down to 2% per year. That's what we've mm. had for the last 25 years, 2% a year. It wasn't a big factor. Getting it back to 2% is not easy. Um, I know a lot about inflation because I worked in the Carter White House when we got inflation to 19%. Nobody's ever do that again, right? So I would say the Fed has, is now serious about fighting inflation. They're going to keep increasing interest rates for a while. And I suspect in the December, they will have another meeting and they'll increase interest rates by another 75 basis points or almost one full point. So. Um, yeah, I think the Fed has uh, probably made a mistake in the beginning. Now they're trying to compensate for it. I think they're doing a reasonably good job now. Um, in light of the FTX scandal, um, looking back at the interview that you did with Sam, 
as an investor, is there anything in hindsight that made you say something about him or the strategy of the company didn't feel right? Which about who? Uh, uh, FTX. Oh, FTX. Yes. <laughs> Sam Bankman Freed. Um, well, it was the only interview ever I had where the guy showed up in a T-shirt, shorts, uh, and tennis shoes. That's all he had wore. And that's apparently that was his normal dress. So um, I was a little it was a little unusual. Usually people dress a little bit better for the interviews. Um, yeah. He's um, look, you meet a lot of people in this world who are brilliant young people. And when you're a brilliant young person and you haven't had a failure, you think you really are brilliant and you you, know, you walk on water. So he had never made a mistake, really. He built a business where in the age of 30, he's worth $22 billion. So when you were 30 years old, you guys look like you're maybe a little older than 30. I don't know. Yeah. But when you were 30 years old, if you were worth $22 billion, you would think you walk on water. Absolutely. He, he uh, may have thought that. Yeah, I would say it appears that they made a terrible mistake. And whether it's criminal or not, I don't know. But they were taking customer accounts and putting them into other businesses that the customers didn't know about. So let's suppose you have an account at Merrill Lynch and you put $1,000 into it and they told you later, well, guess what? We took that $1,000, we lent it to something else and uh, we'll give you your $1,000 back soon. Well, before they could give it back to you, it went bankrupt. So you're out your $1,000. That appears to be what they did. And therefore there's a lot of challenges there. So he's a smart guy. I've met him on a couple of occasions. Um, I would say, you know, you have to be wary of people who are 30 years old and think they walk on water because it rarely happens. Noted. <laughs> so now, there was there was one 33 year old guy that did walk on water, but that was unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get I a love it. So I can walk on water. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, one of the greatest investors uh, of our time, um, obviously, the Carlo Group, like we said, 400 billion uh, managing assets. Prior to even getting into finance, I know you studied law. So what was that transition like from you going into law to finance? Uh, well, let's be honest. Um, if you're going to be good at something, you have to love it. And I wasn't, I didn't love to practice law. And my clients uh, told me I wasn't that good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to law school to make my mother happy because she said, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer. So I didn't want to go to medical school. So I went to law school. And um, I was really interested in politics. And so I was really interested in working in government. And I went to work for Jimmy Carter at the White House for four years when I was in my 20s. And, um, you know, we got inflation at 19%. And the result was we didn't lose. We lost the election. So um, I had to go back and practice law. That's all I knew. But I wasn't that good at it. My clients reminded me of that. So I decided to do something different. And I started a firm in, in Washington in 1987 that grew to be one of the largest private equity firms in the world. So I got lucky. I surrounded myself with really smart people that knew more than I did. And the key to really building a great business is surrounding yourself with smarter people than you. So um, that's what happened. I built it. It's now one of the largest firms in the world in that area. But I, 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 I was attracted to it because I thought, if I'm going to be not in government, and government doesn't want me because I didn't do a good job, and I'm going to be in the private sector, yeah, I might as well make the most amount of money I can make. And business people and private equity firms are making a lot more money than lawyers, and they ought to actually seem to be more enjoyable. So that's why I started it, and it, it worked. So let me ask you this. Um, you talked about inflation a few times. Last week, a report came out and they said that they thought that inflation might have peaked and that that was good for the market. Right. Do, you, do you think that inflation has peaked? Well, um, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, last week, the numbers came out that said that inflation rate from month to month, year to year was 7.7%. 7 
Now, if I told you inflation was going to be 7.7% annualized, you would run for the hills. But because it was previously over 8%, it was 8.6%, yes. 7.7% looked wonderful. So yes, it, it may have peaked. I think it probably has. But remember, uh, it, inflation uh, was very high because we injected so much money in the economy. The war in Ukraine had a, a very high effect on energy prices and the food uh, uh, supply chain. So there are many things that produced this high inflation. I think it probably has peaked, but nobody really knows for certain. Now, I'd say if the war in Ukraine were to end in a couple months, that would be great for inflation. And if um, uh, Ukraine could start producing and shipping wheat again, that would be great for inflation. But I, I'd say it's a little premature to say it's peaked because we need a couple months of data. Just one month isn't probably enough. Um, I'm looking forward to reading your book. Um, can you share with us what's one lesson you learned from maybe Jim Simmons, Ken Griffin, and maybe John Paulson um, right. around how they invest and uh, a very impactful lesson that will help our audience tonight? Well, Ken Griffin is a guy that built one of the most successful hedge funds of all time. He's also got a separate company called Citadel Securities and he's extremely wealthy. He basically believes in analyzing data very carefully. He has surrounds himself with really, really smart people, and he tries very hard to get the best people in the country who are really good with numbers. He, he tries to steal people from Google, not steal, but recruit people from Google, Facebook, um, Microsoft, Apple, get really smart people and who know numbers, and they really analyze these things carefully. Um, John Paulson made one bet. It was a bet that the mortgage market would collapse. And at the time, people didn't think it would be quite as bad as it turned out to be. So he made on one investment $20 billion. Yeah. $20 billion. So you don't have to do anything the rest of your life if you make $20 billion. <laughs> right? It's a good trade. Sounds about right. So I'd say it was the greatest trade of all time. And so he, he did pretty well. But basically, he analyzed the fact that mortgage market was probably over uh, inflated, And he correctly uh, bet on that. Yeah, mo most people say no risk, no reward. Obviously, in your space, when you're managing people's money, that, 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 you know, may not be true, or maybe it is. Can you talk about the importance of risk management when you're talking about private equity? So I think what in private equity, I'm sorry? Risk management, the importance management. of it. Well, um, you know, risk management is a, is, a, is a way of managing your money where you're, you're basically, um, in effect, hedging. You're, you're trying not to get the highest rate of return, but you're trying to protect against the downside. Private equity is different than that. Private equity is basically saying, we're gonna fix a company, make it better, we're not trying to hedge against it. So it's different. I would say, depends on what somebody really wants out of life. Um, if you're, you're, you're 75 years old and you're living on a retirement income and you don't have a lot of money coming in, you don't want to take a big risk. So you probably have a more uh, a risk management kind of approach, which is to say um, you're protecting the downside. If you're 25 years old and you can take a, a lot of risk because if you make a mistake, you can go make money again, probably private equity might be better for you because you're willing to take the upside and you don't need to protect the downside so much. It depends on your situation. How much money can you afford to lose? For example, cryptocurrencies, I always told people, don't put more in than you can afford to lose. And some people did. People did. Oh, <laughs> what is, what's your economic outlook for 2023? I would say for 2023, I suspect the United States will probably go into a recession. That's a very common view. And that's because if you go back from to 1960, almost every time the Federal Reserve has increased interest rates dramatically, the result has been a so-called hard landing or a recession. So it's unlikely we're going to be able to avoid it this time, but it'll probably be very modest. I don't expect it to be a serious inflation. 
of the type we had in, in the uh, serious recession, the type we had uh, in, the, in, in the Great Recession of 2007, 8, 9. I suspect it to be a two-quarter recession. And, you know, two quarters is not that serious. So I think uh, the economy will probably slip a bit in that period of time. But I think inflation will come down. The unemployment rate will go up. I suspect the unemployment rate will probably go up to about 4 or 4.5% next year, something like that. Um, Congress is not going to do anything, not that anybody will notice or want Congress to do anything. But, um, Congress isn't going to spend much money because uh, they're just not a lot of money left to spend. We, we have $30 trillion of debt in this country. This country, you and I owe other people $30 trillion. That's a lot of money. And we can't afford to borrow much more. If you were getting into private equity in 2023, uh, what would be the differences in your strategy in 2023 okay. versus when you began in your career? Well, when I was starting, inflation was not a factor um, and certain things were not available then. Today, I would say a good thing in 2023 would be buy distressed debt. Distressed debt is when you're buying debt that a company that's not doing that well and you buy it at you know, 50 cents on a dollar and probably will come back to a dollar if you know what you're doing and it's a good deal. So I would buy a lot of distressed debt. I would look at uh, things that are going to be um, uh, important in certain areas of the future. One of them would be uh, things like uh, quantum computing. Mm -hmm. Another thing would be computational biology. Another one's things would be CRISPR, which is uh, gene splitting. Um, another kind of area that I think uh, you know, would be good would be healthy food, uh, food that's healthy for you. That's going to be a big trend as well. So I look for things that in the future that are going to be good trends that people want to buy things into and you get there ahead of them. Yeah, so for for obviously for 2023, you said the outlook is it was a recession, but in these right. type of environments, uh, you mentioned some sectors. Are there other sectors that retail investors definitely should be looking at? I know you said maybe indexes yes. we should start, but are there sectors yes. on the retail uh, side that we should be looking at? Well, yes. Uh, for example, uh, healthcare. When I worked in the White House before you were born, were any of you born in 1977? Any of you alive then? No. 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 Okay. All right. So I was working for President Carter in the White House. At that time, the GDP of the United States was 7% in the healthcare area, 7%. Mm. Today, it's about 22%. So that means we are spending much more money on healthcare because people are wealthier and they want to live longer. And so what they do is they spend money on healthcare, telemedicine, all kinds of pharmaceutical things you can buy. So I think healthcare is going to be one of the great continuous growth sectors in our country. But people outside the United States, they want to live a long time too. So as people get wealthier outside the United States, they want to spend more. What kind of car do you like? Electric, gas, hybrid, whatever you're into, there's a Hyundai Tucson to match and powertrain to get you there. Hyundai's 2023 Tucson lineup pairs the tech you want with sleek and stylish designs. They paid attention to all the details, the seats, the dash, the panoramic roof, you name it. Hyundai thought of it. All while making sure each trim has enough room to hold space for your grocery runs, festival nights, and tailgates. Okay, Hyundai, when it comes to your journey, Hyundai is there for every mile. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the 2023 Hyundai Tucson. The 2023 Tucson plug-in hybrid is only sold in California, Colorado, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Once again, visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more. Money on medical treatment, healthcare. And so that's going to be one of the great growth areas, I think, in our country and around so, the world. So the name of your new book is How to Invest yeah. Masters of the Craft. So along the lines of that, I definitely want you to talk about the book, but um, what are some keys to becoming a great investor? One, uh, do reasonably well in school. Uh, two, keep reading, always read stuff. You never know when it's going to be helpful. 
Three, uh, be willing to go against the conventional wisdom. Four, surround yourself with smart people. Next, maintain some humility. Next, make sure when you make a mistake, it, own up to it. Share the, the, the credit and be willing to take the blame. And also, I think in the end, if you make a fair amount of money, be philanthropic. I think it's very helpful. Um, you've done incredibly well in your career. Like what drives you to continue going and how many hours a day are you putting into mastering your craft right. each day? Um, I am uh, old now. I'm 73 years old. So when Ronald Reagan was 69 and running for, for uh, election against Jimmy Carter, I told Carter, look, Reagan is so old he can't get out of bed in the morning. He's 69 years old. Now I'm 73. So, you know, I'm old. But um, what motivates me is I want to, you know, I, I came from very, very modest circumstances. Uh, my parents didn't graduate from high school. I, I was the only child. My father made $7,000 a year. So I wanted to work hard and get somewhere and make something of myself and make my parents proud of what they had produced. So I worked hard and, you know, it, it, hard work generally pays off. And I got lucky, a lot of luck. So what motivates me now is to kind of uh, be a role model for other people, but also my own children. I have three children. And I don't want them to think that their old man is basically sloughing off and not doing anything and doing, you know, I want them to think I'm doing something productive for the country. And so that's what motivates me. In, in your book, How to Invest, you got you got the opportunity to interview some of the greatest investors in, in, in the history of you know, the United States of America. A lot of success stories were told, but I, I'm interested in seeing what were some of the mistakes that some of these investors mm -hmm. made, right? Because we, we hear the glory stories, but obviously they had to go through some trials and tribulations to get to that point. What are some of some of the mistakes that you can share? Well, they all made mistakes. Everybody's made mistakes. Uh, Ken Griffin, now one of the greatest investors, now very wealthy guy. Um, his company almost went bankrupt. His company almost went bankrupt in the Great Recession. Uh, the guy that runs the biggest hedge fund of all time and the most successful hedge fund of all time is Ray Dalio. Um, he invested one way when he was early out of business school and he lost all his money. He had to go to his father to borrow $4,000. He was broke. So, you know, he also made a mistake of punching his boss in the face one time. That's probably not a good idea. Um, so um, people always make mistakes. Warren Buffett made mistakes. They, they all make mistakes. You just have to pick yourself up off the ground and learn from your mistakes. That's the key. If you find somebody that never made a mistake, you've got to be careful because that person has too big an ego. And telling people how great you are is not a good thing. You know, there may be some people, presidents of the United States, who tell people how great they are, but generally, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, you know, can you imagine Abraham Lincoln saying, I won the Civil War by myself? No, it wouldn't yeah. happen. You want somebody that's humble, and great investors have a certain amount of humility. They've made mistakes, but they've learned from it. So, um... you, guys, uh, you guys seem like you're in sports as well. You got these those, uh, tennis shoes behind you. Are you great athletes also? No, that's subjective. <laughs> Definitely love sports. I, yeah, we I love see sports. the memorabilia in your background as well. Well, I um, I'm a terrible athlete, but I'll show you this. This, um, this is uh, from Coach K. Uh, we won the national championship when I was uh, the, the chairman of the board at Duke. Uh, I was sending him plays from the, him by hand signals. <laughs> <laughs> he said that was the key: is those hand signal plays. That's how he won. Yes, <laughs> Coach K, the legend himself. Uh, let me ask you this. 98.5% of asset management firms, which includes private equity, VC, and investment management firms, 98.5% are run by white men. Obviously, a lack of diversity is an understatement. Do you, right. do, you have, do you have a problem with that? What's your, what's your thoughts on that? 
Well, if you read my book, it wasn't 98.5% of the people in that book were white men. So I had a, a fair number of people who were women and, and uh, minorities because I thought it was important to show that while there has been a bias towards white men and it's been a white male society, um, it's, it's, uh, it's changing a bit. Um, you know, I don't think it's a great situation. You have a, the, the, this country is going to be a minority uh, white country uh, in my lifetime. Uh, right now, probably the, the country is about 60%, 58% white. But I suspect uh, if I live long enough, it's going to be less than 50%. And that should be reflected in the investment management and other things. So I put a number of, of African-American leaders in the book in the investment world. Uh, and I've interviewed many others as well. One in the book is a guy named John Rogers. John Rogers built the uh, Aerial Capital, one of the yeah. largest uh, African-American-owned um, investment firms in the, in the country. I've interviewed on my TV show, Melody Hobson, who you may know. Melody Hobson is married to uh, George Lucas, but in her own right, she's built uh, and with Aerial Capital into a, a really successful investment career. So I, I think it's, if it's 98.5%, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dispute your number, but I would say it's changing. Um, I have a quick uh, two-parter. Uh, what does your day-to-day -day schedule look like? And who has been your favorite guest on the show over the last few years? And what was the biggest lesson you learned from them? Uh, my favorite guest, well, it's like asking which of my children is my favorite. I don't ever tell, tell people, but I would say a guest that I thought was really good was uh, Jeff Bezos. Because what makes a guest work, work well is he has a sense of humor, sense of humility, plays along with some jokes I might give. And he also, it's good to do this in front of a live audience, because if you have a live audience, that it makes, it makes the uh, interviewee uh, play to the audience a little bit and makes it more interesting. If you're just doing it with nobody in the audience, it sometimes can fall flat and not be as interesting. Yeah. Jeff Bezos was great. Oprah Winfrey was one of the best. Uh, Bill Clinton and George Bush together were really great. Um, I just interviewed uh, not long ago uh, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. And uh, that was, we discussed, a little unusual. I am scheduled <laughs> to be interviewing soon. I hope to be interviewing very soon uh, Mike Tyson and Alex uh, Rodriguez. That's um, going to be Mike Tyson's going to be uh, I'm going to see whether Mike Tyson, uh, you know, can beat me in an arm wrestling match or something. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you mentioned uh, your, your children, your three children, uh, and obviously you mentioned them as, you know, being great guests. I wonder... Uh, did they take an interest in your career path as well? I know you wanted to do law because of no. what your parents said. What, what was the interest in your kids as, as you were going through your career? Well, when I was building my firm, I was running around the world raising money and doing stuff. I, I, so they didn't probably know what I was doing when they were younger. They just had no clue. It now turns out that all three of my children are in private equity and they have their own funds. Mm. So, um, so now they call me up and ask me if I can introduce them to an investor or I can help them and analyze the deal. So in that way, it's good. But my, my kids all were well-educated. They went to really good schools. And, uh, but I didn't push them to do uh, any of these things. They, they kind of came to it eventually. I don't know why, but they did. Yeah, before we leave, I wanted to ask you this question. What do you personally look for in investments? It could be an investment in a company, investment in stocks. Like, What's right. important to you to say, okay, I feel comfortable making this? Uh, when we're looking at an investment in a private company, we're looking for a management team that's pretty uh, strong committed to it. They've got a lot of their own net worth tied up into it. You want to make sure the company has um, the ability to uh, uh, survive downturns, make sure the capital structure works, uh, make certain it's a product that is likely to be popular in the future, not just now. Uh, but in the end, you're looking for the right price. You know, you can have the greatest company in the world, but if you pay too much for it, it's not going to work. 
So you've got to pay at the right price and make sure that you're not overpaying for these things. Uh, one of the biggest things that, that I find men have a struggle with is balance. Um, you have any advice for men that are running businesses, but are also trying to have a good, healthy work-life balance, or do you think that's a fallacy? Well, that's the great conundrum in the world. I mean, can you really build a great business and have a healthy personal life and have a good balance in life? Some people figure it out. You know, obviously, it's not it's not perfect. It's not easy to do. Um, you know, uh, some of the wealthiest people in the world that you've read about recently, they 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 become they've divorced. So, you know, you could say that's you know maybe because they work so hard. Who knows? Um, I'm divorced because maybe I work so hard. But Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, uh, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, uh, maybe they put too much time into their business. So uh, a healthy uh, life work balance is not is easy to talk about. It's hard to do. Yeah, it's very hard to do because you're driven. If you're a driven person, you want to make your company work so well, and you measure your company's and success every day by various met metrics. You don't measure how good you're doing your job as a husband or as a uh, wife or as a, a, a parent every day. So you can you can slough off that because you don't have a metric every day. But I, I think it's it's not as easy to do as as talk about for sure. It, if you can do it again, would you do anything differently? If I had to do anything differently, what I would do is I wouldn't have gone to law school. Probably I would have gone to business school. <laughs> that would have been good. Uh, secondly, I wouldn't have spent four years in the Carter White House because I you know, maybe I would have been better for the country if I didn't do that. And I came out and practiced law for five years after I left the White House. That was a waste of my time. Um, but in the end, I probably would have given away more money uh, by uh, earlier. I've given away, you know, well over a billion dollars in cash um, to lots of things around the country. And I probably wish I had worked harder, made more money and given away more and started earlier. But on the whole, um, you know, I'm 73. When you're 73, you read the obituary pages every day to see who your age is dead. And uh, you guys are too young. You don't read the obituaries, I'm sure. But no doubt you must have known somebody in your life who died when you thought it was earlier than they should have died. So I'm always, you know, thankful I'm still alive and trying to do things that make sure I don't, you know, die prematurely. Well, you, you talked about the things that you're looking for when you're uh, analyzing the company. I wonder from on a daily basis, the deal flow, how often are you involved or is it a, a process okay. before it even gets to you? Okay. Carlisle um, is probably investing $10 billion to $12 billion of equity every year. Mm. And we're probably doing around the world, I don't know, 50, 70 deals a year. I, I sit on the investment committees of many of these things, but I am not doing the deals. So I read the investment committee memos. I give them my thoughts. They generally ignore them, but I give them my thoughts. <laughs> they confirm or not. Um, I have a family office and they do, uh, my family office does a lot of investments that are smaller than Carlisle's. And, uh, you know, I look at what they're doing, but I, I generally, I, I don't really have the time to dig into any one deal that much. So I, I just hire good people and hope that they'll come up with good recommendations. You know, if you keep turning down the recommendations of the people you hired, they're going to quit. So you yeah. have to trust them a bit. So I generally trust people and generally don't turn down the recommendations. So I've made mistakes. I turned down Facebook personally. And when Mark was in college, I turned down, uh, in effect, um, Amazon when, when Jeff was just starting the company. So I make a lot of mistakes. Well, Mr. Rubenstein, it's been a pleasure. Before we leave, anything that you would like to say? Okay. Book, well, anything? Thank you. Uh, thank you all for inviting me. And uh, you know, I appreciate it. Good day. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much. Have a good Thanks one. Thanks a lot. Bye. Great yeah. in their conversation. There you have it. God, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Is there any other? This is a story.
Like that's, that's pretty. It's pretty wild. Yeah, Novogratz, Cuban, him, and I've been watching this show for years. So, want to thank you for putting it together because when it came up, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this yeah. is gonna be a legendary situation. So, Mark the, Monday, you got it. You know, you got a couple of Mark Mondays. I was, I was just saying when the text came through, we were just like, wait. Say that this and him. That's the name you're talking about. Yeah, that's the name. Okay, yeah, we gotta get that. Name. Yeah. yeah, everybody put it. What's the biggest lesson that you learned tonight from him? Um, I think it was a very interesting debate, but we can't come back to the same lessons of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing other things that people don't see, research, digging in deep into reading. What was the biggest lesson that you may have taken away from him tonight? Uh, I just like the the fact that, you know, kind of things that we have been spoken speaking about have been reiterated by people at the highest level. Yeah. So we're talking about managing over $400 billion. Yeah. Like, uh, just think about that number. But when we ask what sectors, yeah, it sound, should sound very familiar to me. Yeah. Like, saying, like yeah. healthcare, he was yes. saying it was several percent of the, of the government's spending. Now it's over 22%. There's money that's going into it and it's not going to stop. People mm-hmm. want to live longer. People want to live healthier. Yeah. We've said these things, and mm-hmm. so to hear it at this level being reiterated, I think it is very profound. Um, yeah, I think the part about humility is extremely important. Yeah. Um, and that's something that he said several times, actually. Yeah. As far as leadership. Um, always- Can you tell them why real quick? And I have a, like, not a, a yeah, piggyback to it. Why, why he said it or why I think it's important? Why you think it's important? I think it's important because, um, you know, one thing is that you have to not only manage how the public perceives you, but how internally people perceiving you yeah. as well. And like, re- like Red Panda Rebellion, like yeah. the word rebellion yeah. is a very strong word, but you don't want a rebellion internally. Yeah, yeah. And that can happen like, you know, easily. That yeah. can happen easily when a leader is looked at as a showboat or yeah. a leader is looked at as taking all of the glory. And now you start to have you know, rebellions happening and that can cause issues. And, um, you know, that's one of the things like when you read books, like how to win friends and influence people in 48. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. With Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab an extra latte. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. That's chime.com slash goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Laws of power. They always yeah. talk about, you know, always elevating other people. Yeah. And always giving other people praise and different things of that nature because it's extremely important to kind of stay under the radar. It's extremely important to, you know, not make it feel like you're the only one that's getting the attention because that leads to jealousy and envy. Yeah. And envy. And even if it's not warranted, it's just human nature. Somebody can be jealous and envy. And even if you really do deserve it, 
it still could be lead to jealousy and envy. So yeah. he said he was very, um, you know, big on that as far as, you know, the humility factor. And then I think that that's something that's extremely important. Yeah, I've seen two of the biggest blow-ups in the last maybe 15 years. Um, Sam being one of them, Madoff being one of them. Um, egotistically, not factoring that someone can defeat you. Mm. It was like one whistleblower that finally turned the knob on Madoff that made people listen. Getting into it with CZ was not smart, especially when, like, CZ is a better entrepreneur and smarter. Mm. So, and just to say, hey, I'm going to buy your company and to know that you're down and out in an emotional space to actually send over the financials. That's the biggest finesse I've ever seen <laughs> for a person to turn over the financials with nothing stated. Like, um, but yeah, I think humility is important. I think sometimes you have to let people know um, what you're capable of, but it's you don't want to create enemies because mm -hmm. if you create too many of them, it, it definitely can lead to a downfall. And one of the things that I realized too is that a, a leader, a, a good a leader, never tells anybody to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, facts. That's a yeah, fact. You don't have to. If, yeah, yeah. If you think about yeah. it, right? Like people follow you because of your characteristics. Mm -hmm. People follow you because of your charisma, because of what you have done, because they they're drawn to you. But if you really think about it, like as a great leader, you you don't have to tell, tell anybody, anybody to follow you. Yeah, it happens organically. So when yeah. you have to tell people how great you are tell people to follow you then that's the red flag yeah because that means that it's really not there and you're trying to make up through it insecurities that yeah. actually you know force people to believe a certain thing that they don't necessarily believe without you saying that yeah I, th I think one of the other things just on an everyday person level was having that ability to to make a transition or a shift mm -hmm. right like he went to law school yeah and realized like what am i doing here i don't yeah. love this and then took a job in politics and then that didn't work. And then went back to law school knowing that he didn't love it. And then finally found finance as a yeah. passion. So we, we do that on a, I mean, how many people do that? We're going to school right now. Yeah. And we're like, I don't know what I'm doing here, why I'm doing it, but I still am. And not brave enough to leave. And not brave yeah. enough to leave or pivot or find something that they're passionate about or purposeful about. We just something we spoke to. Uh, young students about over the weekend was that that difference between passion and purpose yeah and it's very important to to realize it because the same thing i was passionate about at 20 i'm not it changes it yeah. changes right but your purpose never changes because yeah. that's what you've been put on earth to do and so that's interesting like even like at his level right what am i doing here i wish i never went to law school yeah it would have saved me a lot of time yeah so a lot of people do it's nine years he can't get back you can't get it back yeah. and financially you can't get it back and yeah. so it's interesting to hear him say it because there's so many people that do that yeah, and the love for the craft. We saw Cuban talk about it, Mike Novogratz, uh, every big guest who was really steeped in investing. Like, he's still energetic about it. Like, his energy gave me energy, and it made me want to even double down and triple down more. And, you know, I mean, he's still grinding as if he doesn't have billions. <laughs> so I'm like, when people are like, hey, take some time off, I'm like, I feel you. Is that God telling me to take time off? That was God's plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but when you love something dearly, um, you it'll be easy for you to put time. That's a great test. Like if it's a chore for you to do it, yeah, it's not your thing. Yeah, yeah it should come effortlessly. All right, so let's move along. Um, let's talk about some political stuff. So another um thing that we have to correct. Yes, last week. I was wrong. There was no red wave. <laughs> Put that in chat. He was wrong. So yeah, Boy. a lot of people, he went on his own. No crystal ball in there. No. A lot of people had speculated that it was going to be a, a shellacking, a red wave. That was me. 
<laughs> I humbly say I was wrong. And uh, yeah, the Dems actually, you know, they, they surfed it. They they won. Not only did they they won, they kept majority of the Senate. Yeah. yeah. And there's still 19 uh, races in Congress that's up for grabs. So it's it's but even if they lose Congress, they're not going to lose by that much mm-hmm. um, in the House. The House, yeah. And they've done it. They they did an extremely impressive job. Um, and now the Republicans are pointing fingers at each other. I've, I've watched these political shows, so they're blaming Donald Trump. And they're saying <laughs> that it's Trump's fault because he got involved and partially muddied up the waters and yeah. they want him just to go away. Then they're blaming Mitch McConnell. They're saying it's his fault. Really? Good old Mitch. Yeah. Well, even Mike Pence finally spoke out against Donald Trump for the first That's time ever. Interesting. I didn't he hear finally, that. Yeah, he what did he say? Well, he finally gave his interview about uh, January 6th, obviously, the run on the Capitol um, and said that you know, it was unprofessional. It shouldn't have happened. He waited all that time. Smart to man. Think about it now. Um, when, when tomorrow, I believe that they're saying that Donald Trump's going to announce that he's actually going to, you know, run again for president. Uh, so it's interesting, man. Like yeah. a lot of the people that he supported and the things he supported, and the people who didn't believe in the election, they didn't win. Yeah. So, I mean, people voted, and I mean, I think it's a good sign. Um... When you have that much loss, that much travesty, it's really hard to follow. I mean, people were going for those antics mm-hmm. when he won, but when you're losing, it's like Takashi. Like at one point, Takashi was winning, and everyone backed him for that one summer. And now it's like, hey, let's steer away. I know he's back out here buying bags and all that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the Republican Party is seeing that they have lost their way, and they have opportunity because the Democrats need to find a candidate. So I'm, I believe that the Republicans are looking at it and saying, if we can find a candidate that is viable, maybe like DeSantis or someone who's better, and we yeah. can push him there, maybe we can overcome some of the stuff that we have with Trump. I think I think you're right. I think DeSantis yeah. is the guy. You know, he didn't take any support. He didn't have any support from Trump. He actually spoke up. Uh, yeah, Trump. Trump. Trump didn't. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't support him at all. But he still won the state of Florida. But on the Democratic side, I don't. I think it helps Joe Biden. I think it helps that you know. Obviously, they they kept it. They kept the Senate, and they still could have another seat in the Senate yeah. when the runoff in Atlanta is over and done. Atlanta, Georgia, was going on, um, but they still could have another seat. Yeah. But that helps because he's obviously the president in place now, and they didn't get beat down like everybody thought. Yeah, and so a lot of his views and a lot of things he was saying and campaigning for the people, obviously in Pennsylvania, obviously in Nevada, in Arizona, places where they thought it could be a toss up, but we could not we, but they could lose. They didn't. Yeah. And so it helps his, maybe it helps him and now for a second term. Well, the thing about it is bringing it back to the economic side of it. Uh, as we know, stocks usually go up after midterm elections, mm-hmm. especially when there's a split government. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because not not a lot changes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, all right, we got some security for at least two years. It's locked in play. Yeah. Like, you know, we know what to expect. Like nothing's gonna really change, mm-hmm. right? Um, and yeah, it looks like that's gonna happen. Uh split government it looks like the, the republicans will probably have control over the house by a slim margin mm-hmm. um the democrats have control over congress senate and senate and there's a democratic president and then the stock market went up every single day yeah yeah last week um and if you guys do your research historically that week in november normally is a positive week mm-hmm. so it was some good signs some good rallying signs there yeah. so are we still all right so this brings back to the question that we asked before is this good for the stock? Is the stock market going to be up? Regardless of what happens, um, floods, war, hurricanes, political dispersion, the market is always going to be up. The players may change and the sectors may change, but overall, yes. I mean, up 
Uh, Short term? In the next year. Oh. <laughs> in the next year. The, the, broad, the Dow, S&P, Russell probably, the NASDAQ, yes. S&P and Dow, yes. Will be up overall. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. the analysts have now raised almost all of those indexes. I, I saw that the number now for the S&P by the end of the year is maybe 4,200. Uh, that may be a stretch. I know I'll call 4,200. Then I'll be happy if we tap. If we get to 4,000? Yeah, if we get 4,000, 4,100. I mean, we were right there. We were at like 3,992. Yeah. So, I mean, 4,100 would be great to see. Uh, I think short term, yeah, there, there, there's yeah. some room for some for some, some gains. Um, but we'll see. The, the, obviously, when we were here last week, when we talked about not only the election, but the CPI numbers coming yeah. in were important. And obviously we saw that and, and, and David spoke to it about the uh, 7.7 uh, rate of inflation. That helps yeah. because it shows that it's tapering down. Was it an overreaction? We saw the best day in the history of the NASDAQ. But in tandem with the fallout of FTX and FTT. All those things happen. So that was a lot of positioning of, hey, you guys were supposed to be the saviors. Now all the hedge funds mm -hmm. piled in money and said, okay, this is where... And we have to realize too, when crypto said, hey, we don't want to be tied to the banks now that's going to be used against them heavily. Now you need more regulation. They're going to go on an entire smear campaign, lobbying campaign against crypto for regulation and for regulatory reasons. But when you're reporting to clients, you can now go to a client and say, hey, there's more safety here while that fell apart. So you have to be very careful once again of who you choose to wage war with. I, um, Anytime that people say that a monetary system is a liberation tool for the people, it usually isn't because money is not meant to be a tool of liberation. Mm. Money is meant to be a tool of control. That's a bar. That's a bar. It's just That's honest facts. And those, so those are some of the things, yeah. right? Those factors that we need to look at. If we're thinking about six to eight months down the road, what does inflation look like? Yeah. Are we having conflicts throughout the world? Ukraine, Russia, is it still happening in six to eight months? Maybe not. it is, maybe it's not, right? Supply and demand. We just saw today that the president met with the president of Trump. yes that was important that was right? needed like when we, when we and we spoke about it in depth when we talked about the importance of that relationship mm -hmm. that was a it's a baby step mm -hmm. but it's a step yeah right taiwan is still a, a major player yes now from everything that they saw when they read in the reports it was there's no imminent danger mm -hmm. just yet as far as the the, the the invasion of taiwan so that's a positive sign yeah so you, you start to see some of these signs and do they add up to something that could be positive? In my opinion, I say, yeah. Yeah. But we shall monitor. What are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think um, it's interesting because the economy is still kind of a little turbulent. Yeah. But the stock market usually turns before the Absolutely. Economy yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. So um, I think we have a shot, but this leads to the next topic. Unemployment. No, I was just going to say mm -hmm. that's that so, another number that we got. So yeah, twenty one thousand tech jobs have been lost so far this month in yeah. November, mm -hmm. and the month just started. Um, Amazon announced that they're going to be laying off ten thousand people. So the tech is, is laying off a yeah. bunch of people. Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Meta, Amazon. Um, I got some. You got the numbers? Amazon ten thousand, Meta eleven thousand, Twitter. Well, they, the number was at thirty seven hundred, but mm -hmm. that changed. Um, Disney had a hiring freeze. Yeah. Salesforce, another obviously in tech, a thousand, Stripe, a thousand, Coinbase over a thousand, Shopify. Stripe is interesting. Over a thousand. Microsoft yeah. over a thousand. Snap over a thousand. What, has Google announced yet? Google hasn't yet. Apple announced a hiring freeze. freeze. Yeah. Which you know, obviously we're not laying off people, but we're not hiring anyone. Yeah. Uh, outside of R and D. So the tech companies are interesting because they're laying off the most people and 
overall, the job market is still relatively decent. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't seen mass layoffs in other sectors, but tech is ahead of the curve when it comes to that. And one of the reasons is because of inflation and interest rates. And also, you know, they've had very um, lavish spending habits. When you look at tech offices, no matter where the office is, I agree. they have, you know, daycare centers in there and well they'll call it amenities yeah, <laughs> yeah i remember i went to linkedin's office years ago before we started earning leisure and uh it was amazing in the city and they told me like the reason why it's so amazing is because they don't want people to leave like they yeah, want to be able to come at eight o'clock and leave at eight o'clock yeah so they keep every they have everything that you need there but of course with that is um you know an expense they've paid uh pretty handsome salaries to their employees they mm -hmm. spent a lot of money on marketing and now a lot of those tech companies are, you know, feeling the crunch. So they're the first ones to start to lay, lay people off. Yeah. So the, the, the fear is that they are the, the precursor to the larger economy. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to start to see other sectors perhaps in, in the next coming months start to follow suit and lay people off as well. If inflation and interest rates stay high. So what's your, what's your thoughts on the unemployment situation? Um, I agree a thousand percent. I always tell anyone that, that is working, whether you have a job or you're in a business or a partnership, you have to know the return that you get. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you know, you're getting paid a dollar and you make someone five and make them 11 X, you always are going to be able to keep yourself employed. Um, I do want to ask though, when people say that the job market is strong, what sectors are strong? Because I don't think That's the job market has been strong in the last maybe three or four years overall. Well, strong, well, not strong, but as far as layoffs. Got you. We okay. haven't seen mass layoffs yeah. like like how we have yeah. recently seen in, in tech. Like there hasn't been like. I think they're coming. Yeah, I think they're coming by sector. So technology leads it. What do you, what do you think is the next sector or the next couple of sectors where it's like, all right, we see mass layoffs coming from? Definitely retail. Okay. And any uh, industries that are low priced that are cost based. That's one reason I never like doing things based on price. The margins are too thin, mm -hmm. so a lot of manufacturing could be in trouble. A lot of retailers will be in trouble. I mean, my dad was telling me the other day, even uh, I think Macy's and other retail stores are now letting people, they're closing on Thanksgiving. Mm, well, why are they going back to it? Because like people don't want to work. And it's like, well, that's one part of it. The other part is they weren't treated well and the pay wasn't comparable to what they should be receiving. So I think we're going to go through like a renaissance era of where people have to be a lot more efficient. Um, earlier this year and late last year, I was talking about automation how by 2030, they want to have most of the automated. We're seeing that come to light. Mm -hmm. And once again, I'm going to stress, we're going to see major corporations try and figure out a way how to run a multi-billion dollar business with a thousand employees. Like if Apple's running a $2 trillion cash pile with seven people, why does the average business need 50 people in it? Well, most are liability. I feel like, isn't that like, like what Elon's doing at Twitter? Trying to right, like let's cut, let's let's trim it down. Yeah, let's I think he trimmed too fast. On, I mean, yeah, well, he cut from the pelvis down. I mean, day yeah, one, that, yeah. I mean, first day out type. Yeah, thing. but you you figure you scale down, figure out who is the most talented, mm -hmm. and let's go to war with that. Yeah, like that, like that's the model. Well, yeah. Well, talking about Elon, he uh, announced that he is overworked. He said that he's um, he, you've seen this. No, I didn't see this. Tell me more. Oh, yeah. Well, I got to play. The video. Breaking news. Oh, you didn't see that? Mm -mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll play the video. Um, it's actually very interesting. And um, I want to know, is this like a play? Look. 
I have too much work on my plate, that is for sure. I'm really working at the absolute most amount that I can work from morning till night, seven days a week. Um, so this is not something I'd recommend, frankly. Um, Twitter for sure, I think needs to do a lot more on, on video. Um, and uh, it's kind of a no-brainer to um, enable a longer video on Twitter and also enable content creators to make a living with content that they submit to Twitter. So, wow. so we got he said he's overworked. He's been working day and night, seven days a week. It's not something that he would recommend. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree. That's what Twitter Yeah. And then he said that Twitter definitely, definitely needs to have more videos mm. or long-form videos. So long story short, I feel like he might have bit off one he true. Yeah. And now he's trying to kind of get some sympathy level of sympathy on the situation. <laughs> that, um, that verified badge didn't work not very well. Well, it's a bad idea. <laughs> you um, think so? Sure. It didn't work yeah. very well. Well, why, why do you think it's a bad idea? So about the Eli Lilly thing, okay. because it's like I, the idea of being verified means that you are a public figure, right? Yeah. And because people um, need to know this is the real person. Yeah. This is the real Ian Dunlap. This yeah. is the real Earn Your Leisure. Yeah. And it's dangerous if there is no level of knowing this is real Earn Your Leisure. This is fake Earn Your Leisure. Yeah. Because then it's like these people that scam people, right? Yeah. And it's like, you first know, day out, they did. That's yeah. the whole, why do you keep referencing first day out? I don't know. I, the first, well, why did I upset you? <laughs> yeah. They said it like three times. Yeah, no, the first day that they let it happen, <laughs> they, they bought. Political figures, names. I mean, it's a great, great fuck. song. It's one of my. It's one of the greatest. Oh, you think it's T Grizzly? What What other thing is uh, Gucci? Gucci had one too. G Gucci, but T Grizzly like original, right? T, 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 T Grizzly. That's that's the that's, that's the one. Yeah, but I mean, that's what they did. Like, if I could buy your identity, why wouldn't I for eight dollars? Yeah. Well, yeah, and so it's and how much revenue can eight dollars a month? Not a lot. You keep playing these games. Games, yeah. You keep playing stupid games. You get dumb surprise. You get dumb awards, like. And now he's looking tired. He's like, yo, it's not really working out. And then he got a bunch of debt and he's laying off employees mm -hmm. and he's on the backlash about the censorship. And he tried to relax the ban. And now people's calling him racist because people like, so it's like, I think he might've, he didn't fully think this through. He said it could go bankrupt. At $8 with 22 and a half million people is 180 million. How much you pay for Twitter? A lot. 44, 44. billion. So even if that was 50 <laughs> yeah. months, yeah. like, yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to. I mean, I, I think the, the ideation, the pricing was wrong. I don't think you should have. They should have sold the verify part. I think it should have. They should have did it how Facebook did back in the day, where you have to have like a legit email tied to a work account, mm. and then that would take away some of the noise. I, I think he bit off, like you said, more than he can chew. I, he may not even meant to really buy Twitter, but the letter of intent that he sent had some financial backing behind it. And for those you don't know. When you put in a bid for a business with those kind of terms, you kind of have to buy it. You can't just back away because you, you don't want to. So, and he's running it like a startup, which I kind of like, he's doing the opposite of what Zuckerberg is doing, mm -hmm. but he's running it like a startup that no one knows about. So you're throwing ideas at the wall and you have no vetting system, no board. I know they're building a creative council now, but I think some of these things could have been planned through a little bit better, but and, entrepreneurship and is not easy though. It's a bad company. Like I feel like, Twitter, I won't say bad. It's a middle level couple. Mm -hmm. It's a middle of the road social media app. And I don't, Horace Grant. I don't see, huh? Horace Grant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, said I, that. I, I, don't, I don't see. I don't see it becoming bigger than, you know, the Instagram of the world. Like it's not as hot and, and as trendy as TikTok. Yeah. It's not. It's never going to have as many people on it as Facebook. 
Um, so where, and like he said, videos are no brainer, but now you're trying to make it a video platform when it has never been a video platform. Mm-hmm. It's always been uh, a writing a text platform. Based, a, a so, thought. so now you're saying that it's, it's, a, it's a no brainer to turn it into video, but all of the other platforms are already video. Yeah. So now you're trying to kind of, you know, copy what other platforms are doing. So yeah, I think that he might have not fully uh, thought that part of it through yeah and thought that his name alone was just you know that's a hell of a lot of money to spend for a company on a consumer side like that's why i would say debt i know and people get on me about it but like debt is not good especially during an economic downturn mm. to pay that kind of money now if he took it as like a b2b marketing platform ad platform maybe like an internal network for tesla there's some things that he could do but when you pay 44 billion for it and that's what you have to generate to break even that's tough, man. Yeah, that's tough. That's a hole. It's hard to dig yourself out of. It's not a be so. But but for all entrepreneurs, for everyone watching, uh, even some of my guys hit me today. They're like, man, you back in New York? I'm like, this is what it takes. I wish I could just sit in the house <laughs> and not shake hands and kiss. But like, even like we were supposed to do something last week, it got canceled last minute. So even when I canceled Stock Club call, you know they get on me. Uh-oh. How you cancel? I'm like, I flew out here <laughs> and it got canceled the day before. And have to come right back out here and make it cancel the day before. <laughs> and I'm praying, like, dear Lord, please forgive me. For real, I've been cursed. I've been praying. <laughs> I've been having no pineapple juice and rock. Lord, please let this interview go through. But this is a part of business. Like, the, that tired look that he has, that is an entrepreneur that is executing at a high level. Everyone who's selling you are working two to three hours a day and going to the beach and you know, everybody polygamous now. That is an Instagram lifestyle, yo. It takes this level. Dave, super rich, super wealthy, doesn't have to work. You can see he's in his office grinding. Yep. You know, y'all had a meeting earlier today. Y'all got some stuff to win. I say like, what? Right? <laughs> but I never hit you and be like, what you doing? You're like, nothing. I'm seeing more cameras. I like the way you put this light out. <laughs> you know, so we got the little triangle effect. Every time we go somewhere, Hand master, a human, all right? This is what it takes. And if you want to be rich, you want to be wealthy, you want to be free, you are going to have to sacrifice some seven-day weeks. Freedom. That's a fact. Freedom. Uh, all right. Eli Lilly, speaking about Twitter, uh, there was a fake tweet that came out from an unauthorized Eli Lilly account, which yeah. caused the stock to drop last week. Yeah. I forgot how much market value they lost, but they lost a lot of money um, in market cap. Yeah. So. I think people made a bigger deal about that than they should have, though. Okay. So what's the deal with that? Um, that's, your, that's your company. Yeah, yeah, it's one. I, I mean, trust me, they let me Great know company. on Twitter. Hey, what happened to your baby? <laughs> I thought, it only went down 4%. Um, they were falling before then. So that's the part I want to tell people. Like, people were starting to sell off. There were a couple positions that were starting to be short against it. And Eli Lilly had been running at such a uh, high ticker. It was time for it to come down. Did it have an effect? Yes. The story was they tweeted out insulin is going to be free. And then... Uh, I was going to say Bernie made it. Bernie Sanders came out and said, insulin should be free for all. Uh, why do they pay this price for it? And I'm like, I understand that. Insulin, what, what is insulin used for? A diabetes. diabetes. Okay. Yeah, so he was saying that Eli Lilly charged too much for it. I think there's neither here nor there because I think all medicine is written up too much. Um, but insulin will never be free. Most medical products, uh, pharma products will never be free. Oh my Absolutely. Um, and it's one of the last viable sectors that we have in the United States that we dominate. We don't have many of those anymore. So um, I think it ended, like, remember back in the day when 
the Nike Colin Kaepernick debacle happened and the stock dropped. And it was like, well, it was because of Colin. I'm like, Nike stock was dropping a little bit before then. Mm -hmm. They put the emphasis. He was the reason. Um, I think this is the same. Like, this was not a primary catalyst for why Lily fell. It was just like one of the tail. And then from there, it bounced up. Um, so Lily is still one of my favorites. I mean, if I thought it was going to fall apart over a tweet, but I do think that is why it is dangerous um, that anyone could just verify instantly. Yeah. So speaking about Nike, um, what is your thoughts on this Kyrie Irving situation? Shout out to my guy. Nike. Uh, look, it looks like they, they're not going to renew his contract. It looks like he'll be dropped from Nike. That's been in the works yeah, for a while. Bill Knight, Bill Knight got on, uh, he was on TMDC and said that they don't think that they're going to renew. He Pretty said, much, they're not going to happen. I don't see it happening. See it. So I'll just add my two cents to it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's so crazy. There's a lot to unpack about this Kyrie Irving situation. Mm-hmm. And I see you got Kyrie's album. Was that done intentionally? <laughs> no, no, no. I was just up. You see the Adidas and Balenciaga clap? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had that, but that was already already happening. That was really? Happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was already happening. Um. Okay. The comment they moved the middleman out of it. Gotcha. Yeah. This this Kyrie situation is interesting on a lot, so many different levels. But for Phil Knight, who's you know obviously he's a very intelligent person, um, and he's one of the most successful people ever ever. Yes. And he has one of the greatest companies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just crazy that. He can go on national television and say Kyrie said something that crossed the line. He actually didn't say anything. <laughs> True. And that lets me know one of two things. Obviously, Phil Knight is old. So I it, nothing against the older demographic. No, sure. But either he's not being received. Like that lets me know that he didn't even really understand what's going on. He's probably being received. They're giving him information, or he might be receiving his information from news or Twitter or whoever, or his internal team or whatever but it's like that's kind of crazy that somebody that powerful and that successful mm-hmm. can be so uninformed mm-hmm. when speaking about his own company like he's tremendously uninformed it's not even about whether they want to drop him or not that's a different conversation yeah but the fact that he said he said something that crossed the line when he didn't actually say anything well, he said something at the I think the at the practice. The problem was they he wouldn't say what they but, wanted him to say. No, but the problem, he didn't say anything. No, he didn't say anything. That's what the problem is that he, he shared he, he shared the link, right? And then they asked him, "Are you anti-Semitic?" He, he didn't share a link. He posted it in his story. Post share whatever you want. To yeah, do. Uh, it's kind of like sharing it. But bottom line is that that's what <laughs> this whole situation. Is You're in the mood today with the jacket. Hey, clap it up and put yes in <laughs> chat if you like Charlie's jacket. Like if I put like yo watch this or I put the yeah. link to it. That's different. No, it's sharing, it's sharing it yeah. though. Like if I put a I, if I put a link to this YouTube video yeah. in my in my um story, I'm sharing it. Right, but that's he put a picture. You should have put a link oh, up to that video. You should have put a link to all. Yeah. Oh, I did it. Not what I saw. I, I, I think he put a link. All right, but either way, either way, either way, that's what this whole thing is about. Yeah. He never made any statement other than like not answering questions because mm-hmm. they asked him questions and he just kind of avoided the questions and never really answered it. He's mm-hmm. never actually spoken other than his apology. Which he that's the crazy part about it too. He actually apologized, and nobody has ever talked about that apology. A lot of people probably don't even know he actually did apologize. It's a yeah. whole thing on Instagram yeah. with like four paragraphs that he actually apologized, mm-hmm. and that just kind of got swept under the rug. And they're like, they didn't even accept his apology. They're like, no, this is what you have to do to get back into the league. That's crazy within itself. Ridiculous. But the fact that they said that he said something, he didn't say anything, it just leads you to understand how dangerous this 
climate of social media is because narratives can get changed and shaped so quickly that you can start believing things that never even happened. And like I said, this is somebody, it's not just a regular person, this is the CEO of Nike. And he's believing a narrative, or even if he didn't believe it, he's repeating a narrative. Can we be fair? No. Never even happened. But I mean, yes, all that's true. But this is the same, not the same level of response from all the companies, but Nike had the same stance when he went and take the vaccine, right? Before this even happened, yeah. before the season started, they told him that they wasn't going to bring him yeah. back. No, no, Just they, because... they were going to drop him regardless. regardless. Yeah. They, they have a right to even say, we're going to drop you because we don't like what you did. That's their right as, right. as yeah. a company. But what I'm saying is that to speak and, and just be so misinformed in the conversation right. is dangerous. Well, if we're going to be fair, has Phil Knight been more egregious than Stephen A. Smith? Now, I love Stephen A. But Stephen A. has been waging a war against Kyrie for the last three or four years. Oh, yeah. Yes, he has. Stephen A., that's that's a personal situation that he has against Kyrie. And a lot of people, it seems like in media, have personal issues against Kyrie. Oh, whatever reason. Well, I don't know why. But, I mean, um, I'm very fond of Kyrie. Um, very good person. I don't think he's represented it correctly in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like, when we went to his house in the summer, like, when I asked him, like, like how did, because even when we get the attacks, I'm like, man, the other part that people don't see, like, it's it's hurtful to get attacked. So I'm like, how are you dealing with it? And he was like, I'm still dealing with it now. That was the vaccine thing. Mm-hmm. So imagine going through this another season on another issue. And we have to be very honest, like Kyrie is a leader because if you look at the number of people that he stopped from taking the, that vaccine, it probably cost five or four or five billion dollars last year by him taking the stand on it. So I think, and to be very honest with the Nike situation, Nike has been trying to move Kyrie out of that deal. So they can put John Morant in that seat. Well, and I just, I don't think it's about replacing it. I just think that he, he it, it is he, because you can, he's still a viable player, but they can't control him. But if, 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 can you make the next eight years on him or would you rather do it on John? Well, the thing about Nike is that they, they'll give lifetime contracts. Like they've done, like they've always had athletes for long periods of time. Even mm-hmm. when the athlete's career has gone down, they yeah. still have stayed with athletes. And they get new athletes. They yeah. they they don't really they're not really pinching pennies Mm-mm. like they they you know they they, they, they pinched out penny them out them phones. <laughs> well, when his career was over, no, they still was making his sneaker though. Yeah, they were still they, they still making the sneaker right now. Yeah, they still have, they, he's still getting his royalties. I don't know how much royalties he's getting. Because um, I've he, heard he, some they definitely that... I, he's definitely one of their their top shoes that are selling. They, he's probably in the top ten for them. I think when Kanye even said, now when Kanye said they can't control me, that was his most recent. Did you see that? Yeah, that was crazy. I don't even want to talk about that. So he said that they can't control him. And he's right. But I think that Kyrie kind of fits in that bucket where it's like, all right, after a while, corporate, you know, they're like, all right, this is too unpredictable. He might not play because of the vaccine. He might not play because he shares a link and then he gets suspended and, you know, he got to go through all of that. He might just... While every player didn't have a vaccine. A lot of players didn't, didn't get back. Yeah. Like I, I, but even like him not playing, like right yeah. now, like why is he not playing right now? The Nets, I suspended them. The, the owners allegedly said that this yeah. still has work to do. I'm like, yeah. well, they, they listed five things that he needs Which to do. Which is ridiculous in itself. Well, that's a whole different conversation. Like, yeah. But the bottom, he be playing right now. The bottom line is yeah. that um, 
Phil Knight is uninformed. Wow, that's my take on it. Phil Knight, that's disappointing that you made a statement and it, what you said just wasn't true. And it's just so crazy that somebody at that level can just say something that is completely false. And like I said, you know, that just goes to show you, I can say anything enough. If you say anything enough, somebody's going to believe it. Somebody's going to believe it without even doing any research. There's no level of research done anymore. Oh, well, I know that for a fact. <laughs> like, I just found that like eight months ago, people wasn't watching the whole show that was watching clips. I'm like, for real? Yeah. I'll see why y'all think I'm crazy. <laughs> okay. Like, if you don't get things in context, yeah. and then you can wage a war via media and perception. I get it. Yeah. So people are not doing the proper research. They're not doing their homework? At all. Very right. Shout out to those of you who do. And for those of you who want more homework and want more games, get your tickets to Market Mondays oh, Live in Madison Square. Please. Um, Apparently, it is going to be the show of the year. That's what yes, they're saying. Time will be had. That is the talk of the town. That is the talk of New York City. Yeah. Um, anticipation is built. Big announcement. Hold on. Let me see if we got this message back. If we got the okay. Because <laughs> if we got the. is building. Oh man. But yeah, much love to Kyrie. Um, he's a good person. Like I, I will say that. Like, love Ty Dealy. Good person, good father. And the interesting thing, uh, when I was with him in summer, he's like his dad was a bond trader. Mm. I for one of the biggest friends. So like his level of knowledge, I know they try and even like I I'll say this, like Skip and Stephen A try and frame him as like being some like fake intellectual. Kyrie is very intelligent. Mm -hmm. So the layers of intellect that he has in a bunch of different areas i won't say too much why is why is person man i just he's hate intellectual but he's admittedly saying that he's still learning we all are which is which which is the point i wanted to get to was like yeah we all should still be learning he mm -hmm. is still exploring he's still discovering and yeah maybe he, he'll speak and not be fully but that's part of the process of growing and learning and educating yourself mm -hmm. and he's just doing it at, at a high level on a, the world stage um so yeah prayers up for Kyle. my biggest question for the people in our industry that become martyrs. And that's why I always say it. Like, I love Dick Gregory, one of my hugest inspirations. Love Tupac. But are they going to become martyrs for no reason? Because we always say that we want people to stand up for the culture. And yeah. then we have somebody do it. And we watch them die. Of course. Of course. I won't defend them. Of course. They're going to be martyrs for no reason. Because nobody's going to jump in the fire with you. Yep. That's one thing I learned early on is that nobody's going. And this is why, like, the Kanye situation, no matter what he's saying, even if it has some level of relevancy to it, nobody's going to take that, that mission with you. Yep. It's a kamikaze mission. And, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to just go on that mission by yourself Yeah. because, um, nobody's going to boycott Nike. Facts. They can still buy Nike. They're still going to buy Jordans when they just, even with the Yeezys, if they go grab Travis or two other people and they go grab Virgil's understudy, people going to be back. And like I said, now, because they own, like, for everyone who said this was Kanye's plan, it's not. Like, I wish I can call somebody, shout out to... You think people still gonna buy Yeezy? They, they, let Travis be behind him. Virgil's understudy. I, I, I don't think it'll be Travis, up, but it'll be somebody else. Yeah, Travis, it'll be his own sneaker. Yeah. But Travis is with Nike, not, right? But, I mean... The right amount of money, I'm a move like that... The fact that they yeah saying that, yeah, we own the right... They find the right person. ...has been made, we own the colorways going forward. You think people still support it? I Absolutely. Think, I, I think that... I, and I shout, shout out to Dame Dash. I spoke to Dame the other day. Um, I think that Kanye has a tremendous opportunity to rebound. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think he has to get on good, solid ground first. Define what good, solid ground is. Mentally. Gotcha. Are you on the side that people still support? 
the the Adidas version of this Yeezy. Can I, can I be honest? Um, hold on, let me see what's going on. You think? Uh, no, that's not like how they did. I mean, of course, there's gonna be some people that some people just buy bootleg polo because it's fifty dollars instead of one hundred and eighty dollars. But the like the level that it's that polo association, <laughs> the, le- the level that it was associated with before. Yeah. No, okay. absolutely not. Yeah, I- I'm with you. On that. Um, if we're gonna be honest, the culture, like the streets, are a myth. We're seeing it in real time. Like, I know, and I'm from East Chicago, Indiana. I first heard through the wire, Power 92, driving to South Lake Mall, when Kanye was not even thought of as having the potential to be a top 15 rapper in Chicago. So to become what he became is legendary. I think people, if they find the right person, they'll turn around and support him because we love to see a person fall apart and then laugh at them. Sometimes we like a comeback story. Mm -hmm. More often than not, we like to see a person fall from grace to make ourselves feel better about where we are and not putting in the work that they did to get there. If they find the right collection of people, people buy them Yeezys. Watch, the people gonna buy them Adidas and Balenciaga collabs that look like garbage. Well, yeah, they buy that because yeah. the Balenciaga collaboration, you know, they gonna buy that. They gonna that. Just because. Yeah. The Balenciaga, they gonna buy. Yeah, yeah they gonna buy that. But I don't, I don't know, we'll see. But they I, gonna buy the Yeezys. I just don't see that people buying Yeezys without Yeezy, especially if he has an alternative, if he has his own brand. We saw what happened with Penny. Penny. They don't even call Penny Hardaway. Like, the phones, to, and when I grew up, were Penny Hardaways. But they would never call them. They were always phone positive. They would never call it. And, now, and, now, when I got them out of East Bay in 1997, 1, 000, 1, 000. What, we can make a wager. Oh, let's make a way to like it. It'd be like if Michael Jordan left Nike and they still would people still buy the Jays. You gotta understand there's a whole culture of um nobody supported Jumpman. Well, exactly. That's the whole point. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, like they what you just said is the point, right? Like people won't support the jumpman shoe, right? Because they feel like it's a knockoff. Exactly. Even though that was that wasn't even a knockoff. That was really him. Yeah, he had more ownership in that. And that, I think Kanye we don't support us. Kanye got two things working for him in this situation. Sneaker culture, which they're like real, like diehards, and they know, like, oh, this is the fake, this is the 13879 Travis Scott. Don't, don't do that to us, man. don't do that to us. <laughs> so, so if they, if they Trav, Travis, not he, that's the night, he's not leaving. Nah, but so, so, so 450 million, he won't leave. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Game over. So, but I, and if they go get Aubrey. And a no. collection of other people. No, Aubrey has Drake. He can't design. No, he doesn't say F Adidas too. But he's never Drake's never moved product. No, he's never moved product, and he's trying to music. Music. That's his product. Not, not, that's a good not, point. He's never moved product. He's not going. That's to. a good no, point. It's not, not gonna happen. But Kanye got not. a loyal following. I don't think so. Yeah, they're loyal enough to know that if if this product is not him, if he's not endorsing this, is this not you know? Obviously, everybody knows the situation. His presence is strong enough for people to say we're not doing. Is it. that cult bigger than Aryan? Can we? Oh man, I want to have a real conversation. You don't think Kanye is following? Not bigger than Ari Emanuel. His following, not his. Following. His following is not bigger Did than the power him? of Ari Emanuel. Did you see him this morning, Ari Emanuel? He was on what TNBC. Happened? What happened? It was interesting the way that they talked to him. It was like, it was just an interesting and back and forth. Uh, it, it felt like almost borderline disrespectful. It's so I, much I, I want to say, but, but I can't. Ninety-five percent of people don't even know who Ari Emanuel yeah. is. The, the people who run the world, most <laughs> people don't know. Are you saying power or following? There's two different things. 
Kanye has numbers. He has way more numbers. Ari can cut that. He proved it. But that's that's what. But he he's still he's still relevant. He's still relevant. He's he, Kanye can come out right now and come on Earn Your Leisure if he's interested. Been, been trying. <laughs> been re reaching up. Now we gonna have an honest conversation. Been talking to people at Donda, people behind the scenes. Shout out Rhyme Fest. Shout out people who really been rocking. But he doesn't want a black step. This is Ian Dunlap saying this. <laughs> now we want to have a real conversation. He doesn't want to stand next. Like okay, even with Dame, why the fuck ain't Kanye standing next to Dame more than he has? the last nine years, when Dane picked him. Now, I'm going to be real, coming from the Midwest. I can't speak on their relationship. Dane was the only one who was stamping Kanye. They still have a relationship. He still ain't gave Beanie his money. <laughs> well, that's, now that's not happening. Beanie probably the maddest out of anybody. He's probably, he's probably madder than anybody. Come on, man. Like you, you, you ruined that school for the kids. But going back, and also, I can't say who, but it goes back to not knowing who you can go to war with. The person who started the campaign to get him canceled was in his inner circle slash family. You gotta be Man. careful. You gotta be careful who you go to war with. That's the biggest lesson. Like, I'll say my stuff, but I'll pick people I know I can win against. And don't go to war until your money's right. Tupac. Absolutely. Tupac don't go to war until your money's right. Well, we will monitor the situation. <laughs> That's your new favorite. <laughs> Listen, Kanye. We will monitor the situation. We will see what happened with Kyrie Irving. We will see what happened with Kanye West. And we will see what happened with Dave Chappelle. He's under some fire. What happened with Dave? All right. uh, he he did have Did you see his opening monologue? The no, Anti-Defamation anti League has said that he has popularized anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. <laughs> Anti-Semitism. Anti yep. Gotcha. Um, so they, you know, I guess he made a couple of jokes that I didn't think that they were offensive. I mean, it's comic. He's a comic. So, you know. Yeah. But it's, um, it's a great open up monologue. But um, yeah, so. He's under some pressure. Listen, I'm still making my tech rounds. Meta, Square, <laughs> Wells Fargo, Citadel. These comments and Chappelle are not reflective of what Ian thinks. I'm being a thousand with you. Cut my checks first. But I'm, there's certain people you can't go against. That's why I say to, to me, the, the culture is fake. I think we have silos in our community. We don't have a, like, they're still going to support Nike. Still going to support Adidas. Oh, I Nike, get Nike will be selling out. Nike's they're not going to cancel Nike. They couldn't cancel. They're Gucci. still going to wear them Yeezys. If they couldn't cancel Gucci after wearing blackface, no, they, we were supposed to cancel Gucci. And they wouldn't got Gucci Man. I yeah. think Gucci Man was around was already. before. As you talking about, uh, oh, as to endorse it, boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. parade my boy, and I ain't mad at him for going to get the bag. Well, they got that. Well, Dapper Dan's opinion was that. We should have never even tried to cancel Gucci. You got to be inside the infrastructure to, to really understand what's happening. Yeah. To really learn. So you only, we don't even make up enough to even try to cancel Gucci. Yeah. That's true. I, and I agree the same with Adidas. Same with even people was like, hey, they lost all this money when they dropped Kanye. That's 1% of revenue. 1%. That means nothing. And if you know the origin of Adidas and, and Puma. That's kind of what, uh, what they were speaking about. Adidas dead though. Um, I don't think nobody's uh, rocking Adidas like that. Outside of Kanye, I ain't really been enthusiastic. They always had good track suits. They have very good track. They go find another rapper they like good, they did with Run DMC. Yeah, they have good soccer. Um, they have good soccer. All right. Beyonce mm -hmm. Here, here's okay. If we gonna be like once every three years, I hate she's a person that they still have. They yeah. still have obviously uh a bunch of NBA players. 
soccer is going to be big for them still. They got some other athletes. They got uh, musicians. Pharrell is still over there. So, yeah, but nobody moved the needle. Okay, nobody, but nobody, nobody. If you have an attorney that signs over, and it's for all entrepreneurs, never let anybody have power of attorney over your stuff. If they have the rights to his shoe and all of his designs, and I was saying this five weeks ago, they have the rights to use his likeness while branding the shoe. That's why he had to legally change his name to Ye from Kanye West to get out of the deals. This is a print situation all over again. Yeah. Now go do your Googles and go do your research. So if he can, and I said it before, he can't make beanies, cups. We were talking about this in the text. Home furnishings. Um, the only thing he can really do is like commercial real estate and build cities. Consumer side, there's nothing he can build for seven years. So if he signed away his rights, if which I'm telling you he did. They also have rights to his likeness and image to run in perpetuity for those seven years to for the that, that he made while with them. Yes. And all derivative works. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We will see what happens with Kanye. We'll see what happens with Adidas. And we'll see what happens with Kyrie and Nike. Kyrie be good. Yeah. yeah. be good. Okay. Kyrie, I'm worried about. I mean, uh, Kanye, I'm worried about. Or yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, well folks. I made that call for, for Ye. Shout out to Nicole. To get, he said the same thing to Sam. Said to, to Chamath. He told Jamie Diamond F off. Huh? Crazy world, man. Folks. <laughs> he said it's up. It's up. That money going to be up. down. It's up. <laughs> My boy. It's up. Way up. Different. Can't do nothing. Folks, we want to let you know about a choice, a great choice, if you're looking to bank or invest. Ally is a leading digital financial service company with passionate customer service, innovative financial solutions, and our relentlessly focus on doing it right for both customers and our communities. Get with Ally so you can save, invest, and spend on the things that matter most to you. For everything yes. in life, we're better off with an ally. Yes. Shout Don't to make to enemies, them. make allies. Yes, make allies. December. What, second, December third, Miami. Yes, Ally and United Nations. We, we, we got to talk about today. Today's date is November fourteenth. Yes, it is my brother Vincent's birthday. Hey, happy birthday! Happy birthday, my brother! To you, amazing, a one of a kind human being. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever met Bam, you know exactly what I mean. This dude is uh, he's a life of a party. Yes. He is uh, just a generous soul man. So I want to wish my brother. A happy birthday has been a, a crazy year of ups and downs, um, but more ups and downs. So I, I want to wish you yeah. a happy and blessed birthday and many more, my brother. Happy birthday. He's a great soul, you. great person. You know, everybody over here. Full of energy, full of life, man. He, like, yeah, we should all be more like Bam. Every time I see him, legendary. And I did not tell you to get suspended for six months for turning, taking your shirt off. He is definitely, I did not say that. Mike suspension, yes. He, we, yes, look, yes. I'm campaigning, yes. and we're going to, Vouch for, for Kanye. We definitely vouch for Bam. He ain't do nothing but take his shirt off. Um, with Pablo. We, we we got some some other stuff. We Maybe like an helicopter. Hey, Petey Pop. Shout out to Bam. Happy birthday. Um, enjoy it for sure. And happy belated birthday to AB. His birthday was yesterday. Yes, yes. And EYL Doom. Oh, yeah. Brother Doom. Yeah. Happy birthday to Doom for sure. Yeah. Um, Market Mondays live, Madison Square Garden. Um Get your tickets. Three months of stock clubs. Uh, one year sniper. 25 stocks to invest in. 50 to stay away from. If I've made you money, please put yes in chat. And 
Um, you have the the slides from the presentation that night. Peter Tuckman, Troy Rashad, Don Peebles. Yes, man, Jada Kiss. Yeah, Mouse Jones. Sus yes. one. Sus one. Special surprises. Yeah, few of them. Ebro, you sliding through still or no? Let me put some pressure on you. Shout out to Ebro. He's a good dude. Nah, nah, it's gonna be lit, man. Get your tickets now. Um, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't play yourself. Um, please, please, please. Uh, all right. It's been eventful. Check out our Unleashed tomorrow. Very educational episode yes. on politics. Extremely important mm -hmm. for us to know the political process, not during voting season, but during all times of the year. Because mm -hmm. politics is 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Mm -hmm. Important that we are educated. Um, and yeah. That's where we at. Wait, yeah. any assets of reliability show this week? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a big thank one. You. It's a big one. Ari, <laughs> shout out, girl. Ari, Ari the dumb. Hey, Ari Fletcher. Um, you know she's in the cosmetic business. Really? Yeah, yeah. she just dropped the cosmetic lines, which is went crazy, sold out the first day I saw. So you know, a lot of money yeah. has been made in cosmetic industry. That's what made Rihanna a billionaire. That's what made Kylie Jenner a billionaire. Yeah. So you know, she's getting into cosmetic. She's very passionate about the cosmetic industry. So that was a dope conversation, man. She's a very, um, you know, fun person, super <laughs> like down to earth, super, you know, just, yeah, just, just, a, just a real good person. Dope. Yeah, she's she dope, and her her following is oh, that she got crazy. The the level of support she got, that she has, she got a high from her. I don't even know what to call them. Since we put out the first, the fact that we when we put out the picture that we doing the episode, yeah, it's crazy. It's been when is the Ari episode? When yeah. is the Ari episode? Was Ari episode is tonight? They've been asking for that. Shout out to Ari, man. So that episode is out tonight on television on Revolt. Shout out to our Revolt family. Mm -hmm. Um, shout out to Batavio and on YouTube, their YouTube channel on Wednesday, Wednesday yep. at five o'clock. Yeah. So check it out on, on Wednesday at five and then check it out on the television. And Juski dropped, dropped the gems too. Shout out to Yeah, that was yeah. fun. Juski, did you see, um, which we'll call it, uh, had mimicked him during a press conference, Zion Williamson. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, he mimicked him. He mimicked him during the press conference. That's funny. Uh, so shout out to Juski. He's doing his thing right now. So yeah, yeah, getting, getting to it too. Yeah, he's a smart dude, um, super talented, and has figured out the business side of family. Yeah, which a lot of people is cooking. It's tough for them to transition from that 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 device that they hold to mm -hmm. the stage, and uh, he's he's got it. He's, yeah. he's one of the more big announcement for EYL University too. We're in the process of revamping the whole structure, yeah. um. So yeah, stay tuned. It's called stay tuned alert. Mm -hmm. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be laying out some information. Stock club call uh, tomorrow at nine thirty. Get your tickets for Market Mondays live. Cannot wait to see you guys there. Mm -hmm. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. 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 Good, y'all. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte after getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. 
Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.